program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. I'm on Jack Jumpin' Mountain too. And I am a motivational speaker. Welcome to the beautiful campus of LCMSU, everyone. I am your host. Who are you? I'm no one to be trifled with. That is all you ever need to know. The Chancellor. Pastor Marcus Zill. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Hi. joined here today in the student union we have a privilege of having a deaconess that's been out on the mission missionary field with us deaconess rachel jaseph all the way from the caribbean climate of indianapolis indiana (laughs) how are you doing today rachel i'm doing great thanks for having me marcus (laughs) now you are in indianapolis and you are still technically serving your uh your uh, missionary stint uh um, what what brought you from you were where were you and how did you end up in Indianapolis here? Um, well, it's kind of been a whirlwind of a uh, past couple months, but I guess starting out, I um, I served as a missionary with LCMS um, in Peru for a couple of years, and then was called to serve for a while in the Dominican Republic. Um, and I'm actually back in my home state of Indiana, um, which I didn't, never really expected would happen the way it did, but. Um, because of getting married a couple a couple of months ago, so wow. well, congratulations! Thank you. Fantastic, and uh, just back this last November, right? Yep, yep. I I transitioned off the field um, from the Dominican Republic in October. Got married in November. Hit the holidays, and I'm finally kind of catching my breath. But um, in in all of that, has still been serving through the end of this month um, with, with my current call, um, but more in a, more in a supporting role um, mm-hmm. for the region, working, helping with curriculum and, and stuff for future church workers in Latin America. Okay, that is all. And I had a chance to go down for your fall foro or forum, as they call it. When was that? October? Um, yep. And uh, where was that? Santo Domingo, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. the, in the DR and... Uh, there's, I mean, I was really impressed with the number of, there's like 12 or 14 of you down there, something like that? Something like that, yeah. And, you know, even since I, I left the field in October, um, there have been several new people who have arrived that, um, some of whom I didn't even know about specifically at the time. So I'd have to sit and count them out again. Um, so there's a lot of support and, and Lord willing, some a few more missionaries on the way soon. Well, I want to hear more about that, but tell, real quick, tell us how... How did you ever go about in college? When did you first start thinking, you know what, I want to grow up and I want to be, you know, a missionary? Or how, how did that process, because there might be a lot of young, young ladies uh, listening, they're thinking about de- being a deaconess or, or guys, whether they're thinking about going to seminary or not, they're thinking about where they might go to school. Uh, how did you end up with the missionary bug? How did that process go? Well, you know, I, ever since I was a kid, I, I don't know what age, but I just started thinking, you know, I wonder, I wonder what it would be like to be a missionary. And I don't remember the exact moment that it happened, but I think just a series of, a series of life experiences opened my eyes to different cultures, different languages from things like 
meeting a few missionaries who visited my Lutheran school when I was a kid okay. um, to going to Europe for my brother's wedding when I was only 11. So all of those things started getting me thinking about the world beyond the United States. It's a whole um, new world. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Love Aladdin. I, yeah. I just totally couldn't resist that. So. No, it's, it's, it's true, though. So I think, you know, I my eyes were first starting to get opened as a kid. And I, I just remember thinking, man, it'd be really cool to to have a job in which my whole focus could just be telling people about Jesus. Mm. Um, but that, so that kind of was all swirling in my head, you know, through some of those formative years um, as I was headed toward high school. Um, and then I needed to, I had to choose a, a foreign language. Um, and at my high school, we had, we had several different options, but Spanish was one of them. And I just kind of picked randomly thinking, you know, regardless of, of where I might serve God in whatever capacity someday, sure. Spanish might be the most, the most practical, even in the U S. So, um, so I picked Spanish, fell in love with it, kept learning about different cultures and, um, really just, um, kept thinking along that, that train of thought. And, um, and yeah, by that point, um, by high school, I was thinking, you know, I want to, I, I might want to be a missionary someday, um, but I think I want to go to college. So what kind of career would, um, would I, would I look at? And so I considered, um, a family life degree. I considered looking into, um, DCE ministry, um, an education degree, social work, counseling. I had never heard of a deaconess, even growing up in the Lutheran church. So I think it was really God's hand that uh, my mom found some info on the internet about deaconess ministry. I started reading up and investigating and really felt like, wow, that could be the fit for me. So I think it was just different steps along the way. God put different people in my life to expose me to to mission work, to church work and life. And um, and I just kept falling in love with the idea and God kept opening doors. And so did you end up, now you went to Concordia, Chicago, or was it River Forest at the time? It had just switched. So, yeah. I had to get another plug in there for that because uh, Dr. Gard was one of my profs and and, uh, I would be upset if I had a uh, RF (laughs) grad on and didn't make that known. But uh, (laughs) so now did you go to Peru straight from school? Was that where your first call was to? Yeah, so I went through the undergraduate deaconess program at Concordia Chicago. And as part of that training program, um, all the students are required to serve at least a year internship. So typically the the internships are year long in the U.S., but international internships are two years or more just to allow for language acquisition for um it just takes a little bit longer to get your feet under you. If you, figure just, it. if you just get the language down and then you're gone, that doesn't help anybody either. Right, right. So, so my internship was between a year and a half and two years by the end of it. And so um, I was sent to serve in Lima, Peru. And at the time, it, there had been LCMS missionaries there, but it was still a young church plant. And so I was sent there to work with the team at the time specifically to assist in in developing what we were calling a mercy house. Hmm. So the initial intent was for it to be an outreach to to street kids and at-risk youth. Well, through a series of um, months of learning and 
some closed doors, some open doors, some, you know, backpedaling. We finally were able to find a location to start ministry in a new community where we had previously had no real interaction. Um, and, but the, the Lord brought different kids to us. So it ended up not being a, a street kids outreach per se, but rather um, a youth center in an area of Lima, um, which if you don't know is a huge city. I mean, I didn't know it's like 10 million people in this wow. city. So massive city with a lot of, um, a lot of diversity in terms of, um, in terms of just a, a big gap between rich and poor, um, a lot of sections of the city just don't have a lot of opportunities in terms of education, um, in terms of work and things like that. So um, we were in a part of the city establishing this youth center where a lot of the kids were just kind of at risk and yeah. um, because of their surroundings could very easily fall into um, gang activity drugs and, and things like that. So we wanted to be a light in that community and God opened doors um, and made it clear where we were to kind of plant our roots, so to say. And how many people do we have now, how many people do we have down there with our missionary staff? Uh, let's see. Um, all of the staff except for one is now different than when I was there. The oh, Lord has okay. continued providing workers. So um, let's see. Well, and Caitlin Worden, okay. she's still down there, right? Yep, yep. And so she, she was is, a product only... of one of our campus ministries. She came to one of our, yeah. uh, she actually came to one of our uh, uh, campus ministry conferences and heard a little speech by, I don't know if it was Pastor McMiller or David Fiala, and uh, she and also uh, Daniel Fakensher kind of got the bug um, through yeah. the CMSU conferences. So, uh, anyways. Yeah, I know both of them very well. Great missionaries. And That's awesome. um, so, so I did work with Caitlin. Now there there are several more families there. Um, without sitting and counting, they're probably about because there are some more on the way too. Um, a couple on the way, so around about probably more than six missionaries. Um, getting closer to ten, you know, if you count all the kids who are totally missionaries too. Sure. So now the how, team has grown. What, what specifically were? Did, what did you spend most of your time doing? Were reaching out to these kids? Is that what you did? <laughs> Yeah, so um, because at the time, um, this was a new concept, we were in a new community, um, in addition to spending kind of my first nine months there, um, helping uh, fellow missionaries even look for a location, that took a lot of time. But we, in, in all of those kind of canvassing visits to the community, we got to talk to a lot of people. Um, and the million dollar question there is, okay, so you were Lutheran. What is that? People have all sorts of concepts of what that is, but it's not, the Lutheran church is not known there. Oh, not sure. really. Um, and I suppose so, 90% of everybody that's Christian is Catholic, right? Yeah. You know, percentage wise, I'm not exactly sure, but most people in Peru um, refer to themselves as Catholic. It's, it's very ingrained in the culture, but how many of those people are actually um, actively attending churches and involved in a church life? It's it's pretty minimal. Now, so you, it's, did you find that to be true then in the Dominican too? I know when I was down there, I noticed that there's kind of this Catholic culture, but it's really a culture and a historic thing. But I didn't see many Catholic churches, <laughs> but yet everybody uh, seemed to be Catholic. Do you know what I'm saying? Is that kind of normal? Absolutely. You know, in, I found that in Peru as well as the Dominican, hmm. very, very much so. In fact, in the, in the Dominican, um, 
there's a phrase, I don't know where it came from, but people will say, you know, here in the Dominican, even the chickens are Catholic. Like, so, which is kind of funny, but it really reflects the attitude that, that many people have is that, you know, I'm Dominican, so I'm Catholic and I'm Catholic because I'm Dominican. It's just kind of tied together for many people. Um, and so, but then when you get talking to people, and this is the case in Peru, just as the Dominican, my experience, um, you get talking about, okay, well, what do you think about God? You know, what do you, what is your concept of Jesus? It comes out very quickly that a lot of people, regardless of what name they put on themselves, just don't, they, they don't know. Mm. They don't know that grace is free. They don't know about forgiveness. They think they're going to heaven because they have to be a good person. And so when you really get down to the nitty gritty of talking to people, um, it's really very sad. And the need becomes incredibly evident to share the truth of what the gospel really is there. So you were in Peru how long? Um, I was in Peru for just shy of two years. And then you graduated, right? And then you went? Yeah. And then what? So I served my my deaconess internship there in Peru and then um, finished up... um, finished up at Concordia, um, graduated with my deaconess certification. And then um, by that time, I was called to serve in the Dominican Republic. Um, I knew at that time that I, I wanted to to keep serving in Latin America if there was a spot for me. And uh, again, the Lord opened doors. Um, and so I spent the next couple months um, raising support. And again, God really... Um, raised up a lot of supporters, prayer partners and, and financial supporters to, to send me, um, send me to serve. And so that's where I spent the, the following almost two years. And you were in Santiago. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. I think I'm getting it now. And that's uh, Santo Domingo is the bigger, biggest city, but mm-hmm. it's kind of along the coast. And Santiago yep. is more inland towards the mountains. And what did yep. you do... Um, Tell us a little bit about, I mean, we, you mentioned that we have quite a few people. We have a seminary. We have some mission churches. Every time I talk to them, I mean, there's building projects. It's just a great team that's been assembled down there. What was your part of that piece while you were there? Yeah, there's a lot going on. And um, I was really privileged to be a part of that team. Specifically, my work focused on helping to, to train Dominican Deaconess students. So what I did... Um, pretty pretty quick out out of the gate upon arriving um was teaching deaconess classes at the three different mission plants around santiago um so i taught theology classes and helped to develop those and move us toward a more formalized um a more formalized church worker program so it had had to be crazy because you had just like finished school right and you're like wow i just finished taking (laughs) classes and more or less now i'm teaching it that had to be quite the adjustment yeah, you know, it was it was really humbling. I was really I felt um it was it was humbling to be teaching um in some cases ladies who were many years my senior and had lots of life experience. Um but the, you know, so I was put in a position to get to share God's word with them and dig into the word and 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 talk with them and teach them, you know, how to how to engage people, how to um how to engage people with regards to sharing the gospel with them and house visits. Um, I spent a lot of time with the ladies, you know, in and outside of class, um, just kind of putting it into practice and doing hospital visits and home visits and um, 
it was it was always really interesting the opportunities the doors that God would open to share the gospel sometimes with community members that they knew and sometimes totally new people um so that was um i it was a very humbling experience to teach um a lot of people that you know i was pre- i was pretty young in comparison to some of some of my students and um and so i also learned a lot from them about culture about life um and was really privileged to share god's word with them now um tell everybody a little bit i mean what why the emphasis on trying to raise up um, these ladies to serve as deaconesses? Yeah, great question. So um, the, the Dominican Lutheran Church, there have been missionaries working on planting this, this church body um, for now over 10 years, since around 2005. And so um, it's still a young church, and um, it's become really evident that, you know, when you're planting a church— the missionaries aren't going to stay forever. Um, we're, we're sent with the intent to, to strengthen existing church bodies or to, to plant churches. And um, if, if national church members aren't identified as, as potential leaders, be that pastors, teachers, deaconesses, um, evangelists in, in some places in the world, sure. um, you know, then then the church is going to have a hard time growing and really expanding and becoming a part of the fabric of those communities. Um, because we're the foreigners, we're going into to someone else's territory and, and sharing the gospel. But um, in many ways, um, the intent is to, for lack of better words, work ourselves out of a job and, sure. you know, ra- raise up um, national church leaders and people who can um, teach their own countrymen and serve them in their body as well. And, um, and then maybe the missionaries can eventually go on and, and help plant, plant a church in other places. So, um, from early on, the, the emphasis has been established that we really want to, to train up people to, to share the gospel in their own context. So, so that's kind of been the, the push and continues to be the push in the Dominican, but also in other parts of Latin America as well. That is just awesome. I know when when I was there, you guys have like an annual big Reformation kind of a festival at one of the yeah. churches, and I happened to be there. I think I was like your your last kind of. Uh, they had a little farewell send off kind of a thing. Yeah, and uh, there were some other were some of those other those local indigenous deaconess students were some of them commissioned at that time. I'm trying to remember. Um, they weren't specifically commissioned, but they were recognized, um, because the, the Dominican seminary is really going to get off the grounds, um, this year, Lord willing, um, around September, um, we're trying to, um, I guess get, get people excited, help the, all the members of the different churches to number one, connect with each other, to know who's, who's in, in my church, um, because they are spread out a bit, um, but also to know, wow, there are some guys studying, you know, in, in the pre-seminary program up in Santiago, trying to foster more interest. Um, in fact, I remember and, there was a vicar, uh, one vicar had finished his duties yep, and was getting recognized yep. for that. And there, they were installing another vicar, mm-hmm. um, both indigenous guys. And then we have Paul Flo down there. Um, mm-hmm. On a vicarage, yep. it must be a two-year kind of a vicarage kind of a thing. Um, I think so. Yeah, and uh, 
it was just a it was a, a joy. Pastor McMiller preached. The place was packed. I yeah. it was all in Spanish. Um, yeah. I, I told him it was the best is the best Spanish sermon I've ever heard. <laughs> it's really the only one I've ever heard. Um, I even got to participate. I did something. I did a little responsive prayer thing in Spanish. Yeah. And Fritchie worked. Pastor Fritchie, Joel Fritchie worked with me. And he said, you didn't screw it up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it was great having you guys all of No, that was, that, that was service. just a true joy. And I, I hope to open up opportunities for many of our uh, college students to have a chance to experience this as you have. But what's next in store for you? You're married. Tell us about your husband. How did you meet your husband? Um, well, we met a little bit un- unconventionally. Um, he, um, he previously served as a geo-missionary, a short-term missionary in Kenya. He was based in Kenya and traveled around the African continent um, doing communications work for Synod. And so we were about 8,000 or so miles apart from each other, but had a lot of mutual contacts um, since we were both missionaries. And um, so we started talking over Facebook, formed a friendship. Um, See, college students, there is a reason to yet be on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, if it hadn't been for that, I don't know if and when we would have crossed paths. So uh, the the Lord used that. And so we got talking and, um, you know, friendship grew from that. And he came down to to visit me in the Dominican after finishing his term of service in Kenya. And um, we had a great two weeks visiting and getting to know each other better. And, um, you know, the Lord just kept moving us toward marriage and making things clear that we would, we would be a good team together. So. Well, that is congratulations on that. And I imagine it's a little bit of a, so you left the DR, came back, got married a month later Mm -hmm. uh, in Indianapolis. Has that been kind of an adjustment coming from the mission field? Uh, What do you, what do you miss from down there? You know, it, it has been a whirlwind. Um, the Lord has been faithful and provided, um, but it has been a whirlwind. And, and you know, as adjusting to life anywhere, whether going to a new place within the States or internationally or moving back, there's just a lot of, um, a lot of adjustment. And um, I miss the people. I miss um, even some of the cultural, the cultural differences that at times would be, be frustrating or difficult to, to handle. Um, ironically, you end up missing them after, after the fact. And so, um, even some of the crazy traffic, you know, it's a bit endearing, even looking back, uh, crazily enough, but, um, you know, I miss the people. I miss the, um, the openness that many people had to the gospel. Um, there are a lot of open doors to ministry here, of course, too, and the U S is such a mission field as well. Um, just as every place, but there was a but unique, there's a greater hunger um, yeah. outside of the U.S., it seems, in many ways. Yeah, and, you know, in, in my limited experience, um, in the Dominican specifically, people would be so open to the gospel that they're also very open to other, other types of messages, yeah. uh, other false messages. So sure. that same open door to share the gospel um, was sometimes difficult because um, we had to help people understand, you know, not every person who wants to come talk to you is going to share truth. So how do we distinguish truth from God's word? Um, So the openness that people had, um, that was a beautiful thing. We just have about a minute and a half, two minutes here. So if somebody is interested and they're like, hey, this sounds interesting, I might like to explore this, they go to lcms.org forward slash service 
and I'll link mm-hmm. to it with the program on the archives. But there's really kind of what are the main kind of um, classifications of opportunities that young people have to consider serving? Yeah, so there are different um, avenues of service, either short term, like a week or two, or in some cases, even a month, I think. Um, and those are posted online, those opportunities worldwide, as well as the GEO, G-E-O, stands for Globally Engaged and Outreach Missionary Service um, that both my husband and I have served with. And those terms of service are on a, on a needs basis, depending on the field, typically one to three years. Um, and then also um, people can consider being career missionaries, and that's an open-ended commitment um, to serve. Well, and speaking of uh, service, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see you guys back out on the mission field someday. You certainly have a have a heart for it. That's very evident. And uh, thank you for all that you've done uh, serving the people of the Dominican Republic and 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 spreading God's word. And uh, I know you're probably looking you're probably looking for some employment now. If anybody's out in the Indi- Indianapolis area, <laughs> uh, you got a great one right here in uh, with Deaconess Rachel. So. Anyways, thanks for what you do and God's blessings on your marriage and wherever life takes you. Well, that's all we have time for here on the Student Union. Interested in missions? Check it out, lcms.org slash service. And remember, college students, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.